right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back into the No Laying Up Golf Podcast. My name is Randy. It is so nice to have you here. We are live and on location in the south of Spain. Joining me today to help us preview this weekend's Solheim Cup, I got a couple of guests. Let me start with the Sarge, Mr. Cody McBride. How are you doing today, Cody? Very good, big. Thank you for having me here at your villa here on the south. Uh, what, what sea are we by here? What is this? Uh, it starts with an A. An A? And Andalusia? Andaloran. That's where we're at, though, right? Andalusia, Spain. Uh, we're getting looks and head beautiful, shakes from our other guests. Beautiful spot here. I think I'm supposed to say uh, vamos, right? What? what uh, we got to brush up on my Spanish this week, Big, but happy to be here with you. Wonderful. The guest that she's horrified. I feel like she doesn't <laughs> quite know what she's walked into, but none other than Sophie Walker. Sophie, welcome to the No Laying Up podcast. Welcome to Spain. Do you know what sea that we're by? We are Mediterranean well, Sea, and we are in course. Andalusia, the Costa del Sol in the south of Spain. Of I'm going to let you off because you guys are a bit jet lagged. <laughs> well, no, I know it's the Mediterranean, but I swear I saw a sign for some sea that started with an A. I don't know. The Alboran Sea. Alborn Sea. Of course, the Alborn Sea. You know, we have a big plan. So, we, you know, we're here a little bit early. Competition doesn't get started till Friday morning. We're recording this right now on Tuesday afternoon. We walked a little bit of the golf course this morning. And the, the number one thing that Randy's excited for this entire trip is that he wants to board a ferry so we can go to Morocco. He, he really wants to get on the African continent uh, while we're here. I've never been. Yeah, I mean, you sh you should if you've got time in between all the golf. We've got the Rock of Gibraltar, which is just down the road as well. But yeah, on a good day, you can probably see Africa swimming. Think, no, but boat definitely. He's yeah, very excited about it. R Randy, I mean, I think do we, we probably should let people know exactly who the guest actually is. Wait, does she have some bona fides here? No, our guest Sophie Walker, uh, former LET player, I believe, still holds. You still hold a card, don't you? Uh, yeah, I mean, Could a very you key it up one. if you wanted to? A very small. One. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, not this week, but on occasions. Yeah, I'm still, I'm still a member. I retired, I think, at the end of 2017, 18. But then with COVID, like you kept your card for a long time. Exactly. Career money, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and now you're you uh, player turned broadcaster. You're here this week. You're going to be doing TV for the international feed. We ran into you at the Women's Open. You were working for uh, BBC Radio, doing on-course reporting, kind of a jack-of-all-trades. So, yeah, it's nice to nice to have you, and you'll have a busy week here, won't you? I will. Um, yeah, big fan of the, the podcast that you guys do. And uh, most of my time is spent on the LET, so I commentate most of it on, on that. We've been to Switzerland recently, over to Ireland. So I've got a pretty good understanding of maybe some of the players that, that you won't know or not know too much about. And then I'll be moving over to some LPJ stuff at the end of the year. But, you know, Solheim for me, it's, it's the one. When I was a kid, like this is the 18th edition of the Solheim Cup. 
this is our lifetime, guys. We're all around that same age. That's cool for me. And it was the thing that was on television. There wasn't a lot of women's golf on television. There was the Women's British Open and the Solheim Cup. And the first one that I can really remember was Loch Lomond. That's really, I yeah, of course. It's, it's all occurred in our lifetime. There's no history dating back to the 20s and 30s like there is at the Ryder Cup. So... Yeah, we're back here for the 18th playing. The U.S. holds a 10-7 advantage all time, though Europe, the, the pendulum has swung. Europe is coming off two straight victories, including in 2021 in Toledo, Ohio at Inverness. And they've won four of six. Is it weird thinking of Europe as a, as a favorite? Do they deserve to be thought of as the favorite this week? Well, every single year we've been underdogs to the point that before that, they were they were saying maybe we should spread it out and get some other countries involved. Australia, Asia, <laughs> do you want to come and help us out? I don't know if the Americans started feeling sorry for the Europeans or the Europeans thought, hang on a minute. I remember Annika saying, you know, this is Europeans. We need to get our asses in gear and, you know, a catalyst to that change and the depth that now the European golf has, I think from playing on the LPGA Tour especially. But yeah, I, I'm going to say it. Europeans are favorites. Let's let's holster that. I'm going to put a pin in there because we're going to do a ton of predictions. We're going to get into the teams. I, I want to talk about if it's if they really truly should be the favorites. All of that good stuff. Uh, Cody, before we do anything, I want to thank our sponsor today. That is our good friends at Titleist. This episode is brought to you by Titleist, the number one ball in golf and the overwhelming number one golf ball of both Team USA and Team Europe at the Solheim Cup. 75% of the competitors here this week are playing a Pro V1 or Pro V1X golf ball. That includes Lilia Vu, Leona McGuire, Allison Corpus, Selena Boudier, Megan Kang, Lynn Grant. We don't need to list all 18 here, uh, but you get the picture. Lots, lot. lots, lots of lot Pro V1s. Big, and not only a lot of Pro V1s, but it could be interesting. You know, we got to figure out which ball we're actually going to play. You know, that's a big decision as we look at, at all shot. If do, you're an we, X or you're a normal V, if you're crossing brands, you never know. That's what I love most about these team events. Sophie, how much, how, how big of a deal is that uh, in, in an alt shot format? If you and your partner play different golf balls, how do you, how do you reconcile that? Do you know what? I think until technology came along and Trapman came out, <laughs> no one had any idea. It was like, yeah, we'll play with whatever golf ball you want. But now recently, especially with what happened at the Ryder Cup in Paris, that well-documented statements about the, the, the different golf balls. But I think it's a great thing that what 18 players are playing a tightless golf ball. And it would be Charlie Hall maybe that it's like, well, what happens there? Nelly might be quite happy to play a tightless ball. You never That's know. That's right. But... I, I think it, it gets to the point where players just do whatever. You know, it's like, mm. give me the ball and I'll give it a go and, and we'll see. Most of the balls are so similar these days in what they play. And, and if you are a certain, like a Pro V1X in as a player, and you, you probably fit into another ball in a similar way. And I think with the, the captains, they'll be there was a time where you'd maybe separate the long hitters and you'd put them with a short hitter. I just don't see the case now in foursomes. I think they're trying to going to go a little bit more like for like. So the chances are the golf ball will be the same, if not similar. Well, it'll certainly be something to keep an eye on. And uh, Cody, I don't have to tell you, on the game's biggest stages, more of the best players in the world choose the performance and consistency of Titleist golf balls. So for all those folks listening, head over to Titleist.com. 
and see which Pro V1 model is right for you. That's Titleist.com. Thank them very much for being a supporter of what we're doing, and especially this week here in Spain. Uh, Sophie, this is my first time to Spain. So not only have I never been on the African continent, just across the uh, the Strait of Gibraltar, I'd never set foot in Spain. I, to my eye, it kind of reminds me of like, I don't know, Scottsdale, Southern California with the mountains, kind of desert meets the water. Cody, you said what Cabo light it reminded you of, uh, does any of that ring a bell for you? What I like about down here is, you know, you look left and there are mountains, you look right and then there's water. With with Spain, the people are so welcoming. The food is amazing. If you're into your hams, like get yourself down to the ports, the f- seafood, the paella, the siestas. I had a Whoa. siesta today. I'd very much encourage that. But if you, if you like to eat early, don't come to Spain. Like nothing gets going until <laughs> so 9 is, p.m. Yeah, okay, so 9 p.m. Like we're doing Go this podcast now, p.m. it's it's almost quarter to seven. We should be eating dinner tonight. It'd be go at like nine to ten. Yeah. Okay. Because you know, the last time we saw you when we were in London, if we tried to go out for dinner that late, everything would be closed. Exactly. It's uh, it's totally different here. Everybody is just so much more laid back because it's so hot in the afternoon as well. That's where they they take their siestas. But in terms of golf courses. There is one everywhere you look down this Costa del Sol. This is a place where a lot of the the European tourists come to play their golf. Maybe not so much in September and August because it's very, very hot, but it's definitely as it cools down, this is is the place to be and, and the place to holiday in the summer with your family. It's only a couple of hours from most parts of Europe and it's where a lot of us did used to come as children. So we were wondering on the way out here, you mentioned basically everywhere you turn, you see a golf course. And we didn't know if all of this is new development, old development. It kind of blends in and out, and it's a real cool spot. I said Cabo just because I think what you said on Southern California, that's just that coast extended. So Cabo yeah. would make sense there. It, it is a beautiful mixture of desert when it meets the sea. And what I was so blown up, uh, you know, it blew my mind when we actually got out there is that everybody told us how difficult the walk was going to be at this course this week and it it truly it it was shocking to me because i was not expecting still how extreme it actually is <laughs> exactly i as a as a brit we don't cart never cart well you come here and the, there is no other option except for this week yeah <laughs> the, the the bigger golf courses the resort golf courses um the the newer ones down in spain are being built where not close to the coast. They're up more in the canyons and the hills and there's some beautiful views, but in terms of the walks, you wouldn't walk. You know, the likes of La Reserva, La Cala, Finca Cortezane, you would always get a golf cart, but this week is the exception. Yeah, we ran into, uh, you know, a friend of all of ours, but Ollie Brett out there who's not carrying a bag this week. <laughs> got struggling. The, the rare, uh, uh, he was happy because his, you know, his boss, Mike Weir, gave him the week off from carrying on the Champions Tour so he could be out here with uh, Emily. And he was so happy that, number one, he doesn't have to carry a bag this week. But number two, he was being chauffeured out there. Somebody was driving him around on a cart. Blew my mind. Well, Ollie Brett, I have a story about Ollie Brett. So my my mum came to the, we have the race to Costa del Sol and, and my mum came last year and she's not much of a golfer. And I said, just stay outside the ropes. 
nothing can go wrong. And next thing you know, I get a selfie with her and Ollie Brett in the middle of a fairway. And he's like, I've got your mum. We're all good. And, but now my mum's favorite golfer is Emily Pedersen and she will, she's here this week and she's going to be following Emily. Yeah. Good. Good to hear. Ollie, uh, for anybody listening, Ollie, of course, was former caddy. You, you mentioned he caddies now for Mike Weir on the Champions Tour. Uh, this time two years ago was caddying for Danielle Kang. And if you guys remember, Danielle played Emily in Sunday singles in Toledo. Quite a little uh, predicament there for our guy Ollie. But he handled it with grace and class like he always does. Um, Codeman, what, what other first impressions do you want to share with the people, the area, the course? Um, our accommodations are great here. We're, we're at like a neighboring golf resort villa area called uh, Ona Valley Romano. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing. I'm going to mispronounce a lot this <laughs> week, but um, very nice accommodations. Three or four pools here. I, Sophie, I don't know if you got into one today during your little siesta or not, but yes, I got eyes on one of them for sure. It's cold. The rest of this week. And it's seawater. I bet you're not used to that. I'm not used to that, but I'm glad it's cold because with it being so hot out, it's it's a great refreshing mixture of, of hot and cold. So that's that's very good. All right. Well, shall we? Well, I'd, I'd say this okay. a little bit on the golf course before we get there. I, I think we talked about very undulating. If people remember it, I, I remember watching clips of this because they, they posted the Volvo World Match Play here on three different occasions. Rare course this week on European soil that it is Bermuda grass. And I think for a lot of people who, unless they travel and play golf primarily in the southeast of the United States, they're not really used to playing on Bermuda. That's going to be huge this week i think when we start talking about players who this sets up for and specifically all those little short chips pitches things like that because as we all know chipping pitching in bermuda grass is is very difficult but this golf course i will want to shout out one thing is that we talk, talk a lot about new golf courses and trying to be environmentally friendly and what are golf courses and what's you know all this water that's needed to go into keeping things green and you're going to see this this golf course pop on tv when they're watching the world feed that that sophie's on it, it's going to look magnificent but this you know fika corcuson in doing my research it's it's crazy because it utilizes a hundred percent regenerated water hmm. there is not an, an ounce of fresh water a potable water that, that goes into this it's it's what they're doing here is truly like leading the way for other places in the world um, and I think that's one thing that should be shouted out uh, and praised on their parts. But it's a great spot. It's a difficult golf course. Fairways are a lot wider than I thought it were going to be, but excited to get it going. It's uh, Sophie, I'll tee you up here. To me, it's interesting that we, we come for a Solheim Cup in Europe, and I think what people would maybe most associate would be a course in the British Isles and maybe even a Lynx course. But it's almost like we've come all the way to Europe to play, a, a, if you will, an American-style golf course. And I, I'm curious if you think that is a little bit of a disservice to Team Europe. I mean, I, I know the they don't necessarily have a say in the destination per se, but it might not be like other trips to Europe in terms of the course maybe lending a bit of an advantage. No, I, I mean, I totally agree. The, the first thing I said when I came in here was make sure you remind me about the Bermuda because it's something that if you're from North Europe, you're just not used to 
playing on. I know Lynn Grant has spent uh, some time over the winter actually practicing down here at Finca Cortesane. Obviously, you know, she's going to be in the Solheim Cup team, but she needed to teach herself how to chip off it. And when you've been born and you've grown up on it, you don't need to think about it. But when you haven't, you need to be more aware of it. I think for the average golfer, this feels tight off the tee, stroke intimidating because you have to hit over a lot of ravines. There are, there are bushes, there's out of bounds. But for these women, you know, the average, they're hit, that the average LPGA player is hitting over 70% of fairways. So that's not really an issue, but there is plenty of ups and downs. The undulation is significant. The slopes on the greens are absolutely massive. And we're getting to a point now, which I can't believe I'm saying this, at the Solheim Cup, it needs to be at a venue that can cope with so many thousand fans. I think mm -hmm. the change, that Glen Eagles in 2019, it just lit something in the Solheim Cup. And I, we're going to get bigger and bigger. So we need these venues that can cope with the amount of people. It will look amazing on television. It'll make you want to play it. You talk about signature holes. There's 18 of them out there. You had, if I if I may, I will plug, you did, I think it was last year in conjunction with Your Golf Travel, you had a chance to play Finca Cordesan. What, what is that? What? Your Golf Travel? Yeah. What is What Can you describe to people yeah. what Your Golf Travel is? <laughs> Your Golf Travel is a holiday company, a golf company in Britain. And this is where a lot of people just go to book all their golf trips, be it you go to the Masters or you just book uh, an hour away. You just want to go away with your mates. It's just a place to go. So a lot of a lot of the British people that will be here this week will be on some form of package with them. I didn't want to lead the witness here on a free ad for them, I but say, I think Cody, Cody just giving away. Ad I know, yeah. Neil is going to be very upset, but I hope that I hope you get some sort of residual back <laughs> from this video. You can send them the clip. But when I saw that, it immediately uh, reminded me of uh, one of your friends, and that's Charlie Hall, because she has like obviously not this week, but usually on her staff bag, she has some of the wildest ad deals I've ever seen in my life. Usually that's some weird uh, rental car company, uh, a travel arrangement company. And when we saw this video that you did of this course last year, I was like, oh, it sounds like a Charlie Hall company to me. She, she was sponsored by them at there one point. There you go. Yeah. Makes sense. But phenomenal watch. I think for me, uh, you know, watching it, and getting a sense of like what this course actually is for people who are interested and want to do, you know, research prior to it actually being on TV. It's a great place to start. And, uh, you know, I think the only thing that's going to be different there is the starting holes. They changed the starting holes on us. They did. I remember we played obviously all 18, one to 18. And when we finished, the, the clubhouse is beautiful and it looks out over the driving range and the director of golf came over to talk to me and I, I knew him from when he worked in at Abu Dhabi Golf Club and I, I speak my mind I go look I'll be <laughs> honest that 18th is not a strong enough hole I don't know where you'll fit people around it um it's it's a nothing hole and he goes well just to let you know that we are changing it we're starting on the fourth hole so we'll be finishing on par fives, you know, the last few holes. That, and you go, oh, right, yeah, I get it now. So that's what is cool, how they can restructure stuff in order to suit match play. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. I think it's a, a phenomenal decision, too, that when you said that fourth hole that is going to be the first hole this week, it's an, an option. You have to make a choice right away. You know, when we play specifically like all shot and singles, it's a, a short par four that water down the left 
that makes you make a decision of, are you going to attempt to go for this? Because I think we're looking at it today. It's only like a, you know, 339, 340 carry all the way to that edge. But you also have the very easy layup where if you put the golf ball out there, 160, 170 yards, it's a perfect angle into that green. But I think there's going to be some big decisions there. The it'll be, other, it'll the be other a fun format. hole for for four ball too. Yeah, with you know, have the first person put it out in the fairway, perhaps, and then let you know a bomber take aim at the green. Yeah. I, mean, I would play the fifty fifty rule. You know, I don't think both have the mentality. You, <laughs> you both send it right. You know, one's it, bound to find ground. It's a hole that you go. God, I kind of wish this was like fourteen. Yeah, yeah. And as a player yeah. to start on that, and and it would be. Uh, how easily you get sucked in by the crowd, you know, cheering you on. Mm-hmm. The nerves, you know, the, the, the bottom strike is quite popular when you're a bit nervous. That means <laughs> the carry's not going to be quite as much. But hey, a lot of the time when you are nervous, you hit that leaky one right. And thankfully, there is fairway down that right hand side. Uh, what other holes, Cody, Sophie, stick out to you? Uh, Sophie, I should ask, how, how did you play a year ago? I, I watched the video, but I'm forgetting what. what would, would you tally? Well, I, I didn't go for the, the reachable first as it was, but I did hit the pin with a nice little pitch shot and bird in there. So that the opening few holes, I played pretty well. There's a few par fives in there. Um, and I remember thinking like, okay, like this is, this is a nice few holes for the longer here to really just eat up birdies. So that's what I would say kind of early on. And then towards the end, you start having some quite long par fours and what what I remembered about this golf course is the you know there's a couple of par fours that's just miles uphill and you're like am I ever going to get to the green <laughs> and then when you get to the green you know if you're short it just rolls all the way back down to you so clubbing's going to be pretty interesting round here but I like 13 13's a lovely little par four um with with a creek in front of it that's pretty nice you guys had a walk out there. What do you think? The, the par threes are strong, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, 17, very. Um, uh, we've candidly, Cody and I have only had a chance to walk the back nine thus far. So I'm, I'm a little bit blind on. 17 and 12 are both nine. good. I yeah. Mean, they, they look like you're, you know, have good variety of different lengths of holes. Uh, what was that one? Feels hole? very Nicholasy in the greens. Yeah. Like yeah. Big quadrants, specific areas of each green. Trying to think of what, what was that big par four that we walked up? They were like, wow, that's. Yeah, I thought that was a par five with all the bunkers down the left hand yes. side. Let me see. That is 15. So I think 15 and 16. So you've got two long par fours back to back. And that's, that could be, you know, a huge advantage for the longer hitters coming in. And you could kind of, you can kind of wrap it up right there. And then what, uh, 16, 17, and 18 walk us through. For any matches that get get down to the end, 16 is uh, R4. Yeah, so 15 is a dogleg from right to left. Loads of bunkers on the left-hand side. So how far you bite off will determine how far you hit it, but then you get to the green, and the green slopes massively from right to left. I mean, I think <laughs> I think the guy, Rory, bless him, who I was playing with, not McElroy, put, <laughs> put it off the green. It was that, it was that fast. It's got a little bit embarrassing for him. And then there's another beautiful little dogleg from left to right. Um, and they have these like nice cork trees that come into play. It's not a tree line like Valderrama, but they do have some, some nice um, trees around. The par three 
seventeenth uh, to come. I always like seventeenth as a par mm -hmm. three. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Don't know what you guys think about that. And then eighteen is a par five that goes down the hill. But you know, many of these matches I don't even get to eighteen. Sixteen is the the popular hole, isn't it? That the matches normally finish finish on. Yeah. In Ryder Cup and Solo. Yeah, you're right. Identifying those tough, tough. You know, after that great little par four that you mentioned earlier, then two really big par fours. Big boys, yeah. Um, yeah, I think we're going to see, you know, good golf shots be rewarded here. Uh, we talked to Angel Yin earlier today. She was praising that. She said, these fairways are a lot wider, more wider than I thought they were going to be. We asked her specifically about the greens. She, she's a player that loves firm, fast greens. And she said, yeah, they're they're fast. And specifically said there's so much undulation that there's just rolls that come out of nowhere that if they made them any faster, you just couldn't get balls to stop in some places. So it was nice to hear that from her. Somebody who definitely enjoys harder golf courses. Yeah. And, and when yeah. she is praising a, a course like that, it always gets me excited because, you know, uh, it's going to be a great watch. I, I'm curious, though, because I I loved the setup two years ago at Inverness in, in Toledo which is a fantastic golf course. You know, it's hard to hard to screw that up. But it, it felt like it was truly playing, like, difficult, where par was a very, very good score on most of those holes out there. And Angel thought maybe more birdies, even some eagle looks this week. Is is that your sense? I mean, do, do you think there'll be more opportunities for fireworks than perhaps what we saw in Toledo? Not that there weren't fireworks, but just from birdies and eagles, I guess. I, I believe believe so there's a you know obviously we start with a reachable par four like that reachable par fours are non-existent in the women's game <laughs> right. never mind on the solime cup and then and then with the par fives and you've got to look at the european captain suzanne Pearson. a lot of captains like the course to suit their style as much as they want to look to, obviously the players sometimes reflect them as well mm -hmm. she is was the longer of most players on tour. She liked going for the par fives, making some birdies. And I think the reflection in the team that she picked and the way this golf course will be set up is, has got a lot to do with what Suzanne wants. She's very keen to get the Spanish crowd, the European crowd on side early on. And if you look at her big name players, they're big hitters. Mm -hmm. I think the Europeans are I'm going to say, do you reckon they're longer than the Americans as a, as a 12? Yeah, I would say definitely. I mean, they have way more longer big ball players than the American team does. I would say that in, on the flip side of that American, I think brings a lot more consistency with their, their drives off the, off the tee there. You are, that's such a great point. Identifying Suzanne's game and having this court to match it. We know we hear all the time on the Ryder Cup about how much control the captain, specifically the the you know the home captain, has in course setup and everything else like that. I don't know. Is that the same here for the LET? I mean, do they give them that much control, or do they leave it with you know whoever the host is? My thinking was it's it's the LET as a body that is responsible Organization, for the not setup. so much captain. Because I believe things. in Toledo, it was the LPGA that was setting up the golf course. Huh. And the captains really don't have a part in, right. you know, where the tees are or, or where they're putting the greens, which I kind of like. I, I, I like a 
third party to kind of set up the golf course and let the two teams compete on. I, I'm not sure how much we need, you know, the captains, Hey, let's have middle of the green flags or let's mow down the rough. I, right. I, let's, let's set up a golf course and, and see who wins. Yeah. See what the best team yeah. themselves, you know, bring to the, the field of play. But, but I think we've got evidence with three match play championships being here that this will be a good match play course. 100%. We had that on the back of a, a Ryder Cup at Glen Eagles and Solheim Cup. We, it, it's great to come somewhere where you automatically, you turn up and you go, yeah, this is going to, there's going to be some double bogeys, but there's going to be some birdies and eagles as well. Let's uh let's let's get into some team talk. Going to do some predictions. Uh before we do just for anybody listening that's not up to speed, we we mentioned this is going to be the 18th Solheim Cup. The US leads 10-7 all time. Europe has flipped the tide, has won two straight and four out of six all time. Team Europe leads 5 to 3 on the European continent or the GBNI including and just like the Ryder Cup, there's going to be 28 points up for grabs across the three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Europe needs 14 to retain the cup. Of course, Team USA needs 14 and a half to win the cup. TV coverage. I will give these times in Eastern United States, East Coast time. It's going to be 2 a.m. to 1 p.m. both Friday and Saturday. That's going to be on Golf Channel and Peacock. And then Sunday singles is going to be 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern on Golf Channel. Great lead-in to uh, our American football, NFL, on on Sunday. So for for most of the states, for those listening back in the states, some a uh, great opportunity for coffee, golf. Uh, set your alarms early. Maybe if you got a tape. The early, early action, tape the early, early action, and then get caught up to speed for those last three, four hours. Yeah, but you know what, Big? If people don't want to wake up that early, where can they get caught up on at the end of each day's play? Oh, Cody's just lobbing them up for me. I'm going to tomahawk this one. We are going to be doing live show podcasts at the end of each day. You can find us uh, either through Twitter or join our YouTube live show. You can comment, ask us questions. So at the completion of play... Probably 30 to 45 minutes after the last putt drops, I would say, we're going to go live. And um, that will then be turned into a podcast in everybody's feed shortly thereafter. So we'll be on site. We got the Schuster brothers flying in for support. They, they get in Thursday, so there'll be four of us. Hopefully a lot of special guests. Uh, Sophie, we might be hitting up your crew and maybe would <laughs> love to have you back at some point as well. Last week, just to plug a couple more things, Wolfie, Michael Wolf, did an Office Hours video about the history of the Solheim Cup. That's up on our YouTube channel. And we're going to have some written pieces, both from Kevin Van Valkenburg, as well as I think Jordan's going to write some this week. So check out our website, nolayingup.com, for some good written content throughout the week as well. Codeman, let's get into team discussion. I'm going to make you the, the stand-in Team USA captain. I'm going to take the European side. Sophie, you're going to tell us where both of us are wrong or maybe where we make some good points. Uh, Codeman, how do you feel about your final roster? I don't think I've talked to you since the captain's picks have been formalized by uh, by your compatriot, Miss Stacy Lewis. 
I have no issues with them. I think this team that we have here is the best possible team that Team USA could be rolling out with. I don't think there's really anybody that has a, a has a case for ah, I should have made it. Ah, I got cheated out exactly. of a spot. You know? I think it was more interesting. I think for us, following it like who is going to get into the one of the automatic picks, like bouncing between final LED or excuse me LPGA to Rolex points list, right? Because I think we all knew that like the twelve that we have is it, it's going to be the twelve. I think the only person who kind of made the last month, month and a half of push was Ryan O'Toole. I started to get and, 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 you know, go out there and try to whip some votes for her before I quickly realized like this, this just isn't going to happen. <laughs> you know, the only way possible, which she had great form, I think in Northern Ireland. Yeah. But really that Sunday, just, she just didn't have it. And she really needed to put a good round together, probably win that tournament, if not take second. And she just did not have it. Uh, there and really i think the 12 that we have here is is the best 12 that we possibly could put forward and i will say probably stronger total than the european team has which is interesting and, and i agree with you i i think from stacy lewis's point of view it it was a very she's not going to catch a lot of flack for any of the captain's picks right they it's all kind of chalk i i believe the the three and, and the 12 total that are here for team usa are the are the most deserving over this window uh, Sophie, I, I think what was interesting was Suzanne Pedersen's captain's picks on the on the European side. And I, I say that because if you go purely by their world ranking, which I realize is not necessarily the best metric, you could make some cases for uh, Jody Ewart Shadoff, for instance. Um, you know, I, I think there was more surprise on on the European side. And to me, that kind of leaves Captain Pedersen more open to the second guessing should Europe come up short. I don't know if that was your perception. What what do you make of her captain's picks? I felt that Gemma Driver and Madeline Sackstrom, they were certs. Um, and then the, the next two, Anna Palaev Trevino, who is a, a young Spanish player who actually lives down here, is sponsored by Finca Cortezane a Spanish player, yeah. you know, you think, well, that would be great. There'd be two of them there. She was right in the mix for it. Obviously, Jody Hewitt shad off. The Caroline Headwall one, I think amongst players is the ones that they were like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised maybe Caro got a pick. But the more you, you delve into it, she played great at Crown. So I saw her the week after Crown. We had an event in America and her face lit up. She was like, I loved being back there, playing with Anna, the two youngsters, bit of fire in her belly. She actually won in Spain on the Ladies European Tour at the end of last year. And the thing is with Caroline, she gets picked a lot for Solheim. She's not made it much of an automatic. She's a pick. And she's always said, if I get picked, I need to be in form. I need to be in form. She, she performed very well in Scotland. And I think that kind of gave her the nod Look, Suzanne Pettersson is Scandinavian. There is six Scandinavians in this team. When it comes to that final pick, you just you have to go with your guts on mm -hmm. those last one or two if you're in between. She's obviously knows Caroline Headwall well. Ironically, the idol of Lynn Grant and Maya Stark is Headwall. You know, it's not Annika <laughs> because of the age, you yeah. know. And yeah. I watch Maya Stark and I've said it for years, like she's a mini. Caroline Headwell, both Oklahoma State, both have that mentality. The, the, the thing that 
I'm slightly worried about with Caroline is since that pick, she's looked very frustrated on the golf course um, with herself. And, and you know, when you get the pick and then the pressure comes and it's like, oh, I hope that that changes when she's here. Yeah. Because I think Caroline arguably is our all or nothing player. You talk about the steadiness in the American team. There are a couple of volatile ones in the European team and she would be one of them. The Emily Pedersen one for me, I liked that. She's, I think she's the glue between, I wouldn't say we've got two halves of a European team, but I spoke about the Scandinavian side. And then we've got, you know, the Charlie Hulls, the Georgia Hulls. Emily is friends with both sides of them. So she'll bring them together very nicely. Put her with Charlie Hull. They've got an exceptional record together. They get on great. That's why I like Emily being there and also course fit. So Caroline Headwall, for anybody listening that's not overly familiar, she's now 34 years old, has won seven times in her career on the L.E.T. and was the 2011 L.E.T. Player of the Year. So has had a long, uh, very storied career on on the European side. This is her fifth Solheim Cup. And that's what I was going to say. She's tons of, as, as you mentioned, she's been a pick a lot. Tons of Solheim experience. And, and I think... Her and Emily are in that mold of Suzanne, of, of Suzanne Pedersen. You know, they're, they're both, at least from afar, I don't know Caroline that well, but they, they just strike me as kind of no-nonsense. They're going to tell you what they think, how they feel, um, and, and they're probably great in the team room, I imagine, easy to get along with. So I like I, I think captain's picks should be a reflection of the captain. Yes. And in this case, I think that's exactly what Suzanne Pedersen did. And so I I congratulate her on that. And I also know if Europe fails, it's going to be ripe for second guessing of, of some of these picks. I think people are just kind of, I, I would not be surprised if, as soon as, if things happen to go wrong here a little bit, people are going to jump all over Suzanne. She, she knows this. She has complete control of this team. She is very, very, you know, proud of not only the the region of the world where she comes from, but also like wants to elevate the players that she knows are capable of this. I think Caroline, you, you know, you mentioned self that there is a lot of pressure when it comes to picks. And most of the time you see the players who are not going to make it on points really grinding towards the very end. And maybe they can't live up to that because they know they got to play really good in order to make that captain say, yeah, I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to use a pick on them. It's funny, Caroline. Now we're seeing it kind of the opposite. Like you said, where she got the pick and now she's grinding because she's like, man, I got to get my game. Like my game needs to show up and it's not quite there yet, but it really needs to be there this week. So it's interesting to see that saw her out there. Just, you know, they played team Europe played 18 hole practice round today, which I thought is, this is a long week. I don't know if 18-hole practice round on the first day of practice is really the best route, but she played the practice round all 18 and then was back grinding on the range afterwards and not like a cool-down range session, grinding. So it'll be interesting to see what they do tomorrow. I know there's they have a ton of media obligations in the afternoon, but I would not be surprised if you see a player like her out there again trying to get as many holes in as possible just to try to find this rhythm that she's searching for. Yeah, yeah, you know, Caroline has the, she gets hot 
like under the collar, but also with birdie. She, the, her iron play, it, it's like a laser. She just stands there, bang, at it. And when she just plays like that, it's amazing. But when she starts second guessing herself, when she starts backing off, that's when, you know, it gets worrying for her and it gets worrying, you know, for us watching as well. She has to, I, I think if you put her with a, a Norquist, the Carmen, the, the Swede, it's, it's certainly going to help her. But she is on the edge, Caroline. That's where she plays her best golf. And this is where Suzanne is going to have to say to her, look, I picked you. I believe in you. Just go and let yourself play. And that's sometimes Caroline's problem. She can get in the flow both ways. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes total sense. I think the other thing going for Team Europe is we're kind of talking about Caroline and, and Emily, the I think you could make the case the the last two of the captain's picks. It, it's a very deep roster. And, and I don't think necessarily, I, you know, Caroline's not going to have to go out and play five matches. Emily's not going to go out right. and play five matches. We're, we're talking about maybe three matches for both, I would think. Um, and so there is some, I, I guess, I, I, I think it's a luxury for, um, well, I'll ask you guys. To me, you made the comment, Sophie, earlier that Team USA perhaps better talent top to bottom. To me, it feels like, though, I, and I don't know why, it just feels like Team Europe has more depth. I, I just trust 1 through 12 more. And maybe that's because there are five rookies on Team USA and we just don't know about some of them in big spots. But I'll, I'll, I'll I don't say, know. I'll I'm say the go names again. that you don't yeah. want to say. Listen. We're concerned about Danielle. Her golf clubs still are not here yet. That's a debacle on its its own. And for people who are not tracking, and if you do not have a Twitter account by chance, that's the only reason why you would know because she's retweeted it and pushed it out. And I think everybody kind of is understanding the airline debacle. But she flew from Vegas to Amsterdam. Amsterdam down in her golf bag. Her golf travel bag was left one of, I think, her most prized possession, though, is her putter, which she does not travel in her golf travel bag. She has a special rifle-like case that she travels with that. Interesting that that made the plane, but her travel bag did not. Um, well, I think that was a carry-on. I don't think you Would, can carry on a case that's that long. Really? No, because her suitcase arrived. Oh. So she did. It must just be a specific travel bag thing. Yep. Apparently, Amsterdam's notorious for not putting golf clubs on connecting flights. So, anyway, (laughs) she played out there playing practice round today, did not have her clubs. Uh, uh, Ping, of course, on site here, hooked her up with a a rental like set. The the team from Titleist, I think they're coming down from London. They actually made uh, clubs exactly to her specs. They're flying down as we speak, or supposed to be landing about our time right now. 6 p.m. Uh, but the, also the airline said that, hey, we've located your bag and they're trying to get it here as soon as possible. So hopefully all is right in the world for a player who is, you know, notoriously known for being very, very finicky and picky with her setup. Um, we don't know where her game's at. Uh, there's a lot of things going on. We don't know where her headspace is going to be at. The other person, Lexi. We have no clue where Lexi's going to be at. You know, she you know her game hasn't been great. It's not been great, but she, you know, I will say this. She put in the reps when she needed to from the time that she knew that she was going to be an auto call via Rolex points for this team. She didn't need to play in all those events that she 
ended up playing in. And she did. She went back because she knew she needed more tournament reps. The reps just were not, it, it didn't work out. So I don't know if a week at home, she's posting daily pictures out there of her back grinding. I don't, I don't know if she found something. Who knows if being back in a team environment will spark something there, but I just, you don't know who's going to show up big. And you're right. And those are the first two that I think of. The other person, Allison Corpus, has had an incredible summer, has really petered off as of late. Concerns there, keeping form-wise. Um, and you're right. Maybe, you know, I, I, I see where you're coming from with the depth of lining up players 1 through 12. I just don't know really what players are going to show up here on the, on the American side. I think looking at it, the players like Lilia Vu, like Alison Kopu's Rosang, obviously Rose hasn't won a major, but for me, the American side are looking for them to be their points leaders, but they're unknowns, aren't they, yeah. in a Solheim Cup, whereas the Europeans have the people that they know they can rely on, and then they've got a sprinkling of some new stuff. And that's maybe where the worry is for you guys is how will they do? But I think you've got to remember they're winning majors, you know, and uh, that, but it, obviously there's no Solheim record there, but there is major pedigree there. I, I think Lilia is going to be fantastic. I'm, I'm not worried at all about Lilia. I, I'd be lying if I said I felt the same about Allison just because she's had some struggles the last month or so some miscuts I, i'm not quite sure if she's as sharp as she was in july winning the u.s open uh i andrea lee i don't know you know true rookie we'll see same with cheyenne knight true rookie we'll see the good but, thing but with but more than andrea that, though form wise very positive form sure putting herself in contention you know like i think andrea is in a lot better spot than uh, than the rest. Cheyenne, you're right. Who knows what the rest of this rookie class is going to actually look like points wise there, because, you know, I know we're going to get to the question of who's going to make all these points, you know, 28 points that are available, but who, who, where are these going to come from on the U S side? Well, and that's what I was getting to is you, you start looking at some career records and you have a Megan Kang who's only one, one match in two previous Solheim Cups. Ali Ewing has won two matches in two prior Solheim Cups. So I, I and not saying that either of them or anybody that we said can't have a big week. I, I guess that's where my feeling of Team Europe, to me, feels like just has more depth, more, I guess, more, more women that I trust to go out and get points at, at this point in time, I, I think, are on Team Europe than on Team USA for me. So it's going to be fascinating. I, you know, I, but Europe are going to win then, yeah? Well, <laughs> easy. we've talked about Europe being a favorite. Is that more so because maybe it's not on pure talent, but certainly the last two cups they've won and a history of success on European soil. I, I don't know. I, I think the Europeans have managed to raise their game going into Solheim Cups. So they might not have been winning majors, but they take it to another level at a Solheim Cup. Then you look at like the likes of Nelly Corder. Her record's pretty good considering yeah. she's been on two losing teams. The Americans need Alexi and Nelly to perform really well. 
I look at the European team and I don't need one person to perform. Like there isn't a, a natural leader other than our captain. Sorry, the European captain. I can't say our all the time. <laughs> there isn't that natural top dog as such in that 12. So there's no pressure on oh, like a Nelly that you've got to go and you've got to play all four or five games and you've got to win that point because it seems that every time a Solheim Cup comes, we have a Caroline Hedwell go five and now. We had a Leona Maguire go right. four and a half. It, it could be any of them. And Matilda Castron two years ago was kind of out of nowhere and I believe got three and a half points. It's yeah. I, if I look at the American side, it's I, I think Lilia has to play five matches. Nelly has to play five matches. And and there's just, as you said, so if nobody on the European team, I'm not sure if anybody's going to play five matches on the European side, just because I think some of the pairings and the, the, the way things work out, it, it could be everybody's going to get a, a rest before Sunday. True. But I also look at the American team and I, I see them becoming more of a team now, you know, Megan and Nelly, really good friends, the way Allison's like talks about being around everybody and Angel, you know, great kid, known Angel for a very long time. Um, so I think that they're, they're less of need, like needing that Nelly and Lexi to do well, more maybe we're saying that, but they're just in a little transition at the moment. And I do think they'll come together better as a team because the players know that they need to. Codeman, how, yes. how uh, let me put you on the spot. If, we're going foursomes in the morning, four ball in the afternoon. Talk me through some of your potential Team USA pairings for Friday morning. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd probably start with Nelly. You're going to be the anchor of this American team. I think Nelly, you know, in the past has paired very, very well with her sister. They've been known to just completely destroy people. I think this is uh, the first team in a while where Jess is not a part of this team. But Sophia mentioned earlier her relationship with Megan. Um, we've heard other rumblings of a potential relationship or a partnership with uh, Cheyenne. So it'll be very, very interesting. But I think Nellie and continuing to talk about who actually the, the, the leader of this team is and seeing her step up. But I think her, her perfect you know, partner there would obviously be making not only based off their relationship, but game, everything else like that. That's where I would start with my biggest question here. And I think it's somebody who everybody wants to partner with, but who is actually going to partner with Rose Zhang? plenty of options because she matches pretty much everybody's game. She is not a short hitter by any means, but she hits the ball far enough. She hits fairways. She's an incredible ball striker. The only real blemish there. I think you're going to find, is occasionally, you know, her her putting and how specifically, you know, leg putting needs to be dialed in at times. But I think when you look at there, like a, another one of these, just because we have these five rookies on the team, would you put her with a veteran? Somebody who you have such lofty expectations and you need her to be uh, a big point scorer for the team, who would it be, Big? I didn't really prep the U.S. side, but off the top of my head... You know, Rose just, everything you always hear about Rose is she's wise beyond her years. She's, you know, she's got this natural ability to not get overcome by the moment. So I, while she is a rookie, I almost don't think she needs to be paired with a veteran, if that makes sense. 
So I, you know, I don't know if if a team Stanford play is in the Andrea, mix this huh? week, but you're talking about two people that are just super super steady, um, and in an alt shot format, could could you just kind of fairways and greens a, a team Europe side to death uh, would be where my mind goes. Sophie, I don't know if that's uh, if you're putting together some foursomes pairings for the U.S. Where where does your mind naturally go to? Yeah, the Rose one. I thought that that's is that Andrea Lee. Is she Stanford? Yeah. yeah. And then she has played with um, Alison Corpus in the Curtis Cup, but that was four ball. Like those type of they look quite like minded. Both both. Um, Andrea Lee and Allison to, towards Rose, so they they would be be my two that I would look to to go with her. Allison's a great one too. I I, I just think the the personalities between those three kind of mesh really well, and I th- I think more so in alt shot foursomes. I think there's something to be said about kind of putting people together that not only their games kind of match, but with that their personalities match. I, I, I'm a little bit of a believer in that. I will say whatever these pairings actually are going to end up shaking out to be, which we'll talk about this on, on Thursday post the pairings party, that morning foursome session cannot go any worse than it did in Toledo. They ended that morning American only getting a half a point to uh, your three and a half points. It was terrible. It, it, the only, you know, Allie and Danielle, were the only glimmer of hope there with their half point from their ha- half match. That three and a half to a half point two years ago in foursomes, like that's been par for the. Co- I mean, what is it about <laughs> the Europeans just kicking American? We've won ass we, with the last seven foursomes. years. We we win the foursomes. I yeah. mean, that's yeah. just the way it is. We've I mean, got thirty-one and a half points to America's twenty-four and a half, and very keen when it's in Europe to get foursomes out first. They feel it's a, a strength of theirs. I know we go back to it constantly. Junior golf and amateur golf, the European team championships are some of the best weeks of our lives. Like, mm. honestly, that's how I know Carlotta Zaganda from when we were 13 or 14 playing in those matches. The the Swedish team, the, the Maya Starks um, and Lynn Grant, they're undefeated playing for Sweden together. Yeah. They've won gold medals. It, it's just the breeding ground that we feel so natural at playing foursomes. And there's also that belief that the Europeans think we're good at it and the Americans don't because we also talk about <laughs> it. And you go there thinking, oh, we're four ballers. And you've got to start, you've got to start changing it around a bit because it is just golf. And I, I do think if there's ever a chance for... Team USA to to flip some narratives. What a great opportunity this year with five rookies. It's a little bit of a changing of the guard in in some senses. You know, I don't know if this will be the last Solheim for Lexi, maybe Danielle, but you know, two stalwarts of American Solheim Cup teams. And it feels like now it's going to be the Lilias, the the Nellies, the Roses. It's it's their time, and. Man, if 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 they could come out and make a statement this year in four in foursomes, that that would go a long way. Cody, I was going to ask: Is there anybody you would like you're looking to hide on the week? I, I know we've said how how poor Lexi's form has been overall in 2023. 
I, I got to think, though, Stacy's going to get everybody out between the morning and afternoon on Friday. Uh, or do you think somebody sits the whole day? No, I think Lexi's going to get a look for a session, you know, on Friday. But uh, if she, to answer your question, if there was one person that I would hide, it would be her. I just don't think that, you know, she's going to end up playing three matches. So she'll get a match in on, on Friday, one on Saturday, and obviously singles. Because it's one of those things with Lexi is like, you want to hide her, but you always know that like she's everybody's only one one round there away, one swing away, yeah. one spark away. She's been the leader of this team and, and played for for so long. You know her record does not her record does not reflect. I think really what Lexi Thompson has not only done for American golf but overall golf. And you don't sit somebody like that who qualified on points. And what does it say World if you ranking. do? Yeah, sit her. If you sit her on Friday, if I'm Europe, I'm like, sweet. Yep. They're not believing in Alexis Thompson. And this is the player that went out against Anna Norquist in one of the best matches that's ever happened. She's the leader of that Solheim for the last few years. You have to give her a chance. Mm -hmm. You know, she is just so talented. There is a player that can switch it on. You know, if it doesn't happen, then fair enough. But I don't think you can sit her before seeing how she goes. I think that's right. On uh, in any other American, or should we turn it quickly to some European pairings, Cody? No, we can go. Though, again, I think there's so many rookies. I, I I think it's truly a toss up. I would love to be, you know, a fly in the wall to, to see what what Stacy is talking about with her captains. I know just looking at the pairings, how they're playing the practice rounds, and trying to feel out who's actually going with who. We're, we're kind of starting to get an okay sense with her, but I really, you know, we started off talking about the American team on, on Stacy taking complete control of this team and, and going away from the pod system that they've used in the past that famously the Ryder Cup and President's Cups is used and everything like that. And really setting them all down and saying, Hey, we're, you know, we're playing as a group. And I think, by doing that, it's it's gotten rid of a lot of these little cliques and micro cultures that have kind of been around a lot of these American team rooms. Uh, and it's really cool to see. And I think a lot of that also goes to say with like having Angela and Morgan in the team room. And I don't really know what Natalie's involvement has been so much in the team, but I know that Angela and Morgan specifically are people who you know, are on later side of their playing careers, obviously not playing anymore, but also hold tight relationships with a lot of these younger players and are mentoring these younger professionals and college kids that are coming at right now. So I think it's a perfect kind of compliment to how Stacey is actually leading this team. Yeah, yeah. I don't disagree with, with any of that. It's, I know, I'm part of me is like, God, I, just let's get to well Thursday evening to when we can get the actual pairings. But if we do turn our attention a little bit to Team Europe, Sophie, who who do you like in the in the alt shot in the foursomes format? Because that's what looking at Team Europe, I was trying to kind of decide who 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 best fit together. Because I believe, uh, for instance, Carolyn Headwall has a three and one career record in foursomes. So I'm not sure if that's where you want her. Or if she fits better in a in a four ball type setting, she's in to to partner Norquist in my opinion. So that that would be the natural 
for me. I think though they're two rookies, I would definitely put Ling Grant and, and Maya Stark together. In all shot in foursomes. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I, I, the I know. moment won't be too big for him. It's not. Nothing's been too. Lynn, I can't tell you how easygoing Lynn Grant is. Maya is a bit different. You know, she's a little bit like a puppy dog sometimes. But Lynn will calm her down enough to play her on the edge. Lynn is ice cold. I I've not got enough good things to say about both of their golf. They're unbelievable. But in terms of a personality. I know you guys say it all the time, stone cold killer. I, I got to tell you, ice queen. I would, I'd have like, I think they'll probably put Carlotta to lead the way, but I would have them two leading the way. I, I honestly think that. That's a tone setter too. Yeah. Because if you put those two as rookies and with their history and close relationship, if they go out and, and get a big win on Friday morning, I mean, that's a, that's a grouping then you can ride all through Saturday afternoon, I would think. I it, mean, they're so good. They, they're, they are made, that partnership is made for this, for this environment, for this stage. Man, it would be really, really bad if they went out. And lost. And lost. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Then it's like, well, what happens if they lose? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, the, the interesting one is like the, the Boutier, Georgia Hall, isn't it? Celine Boutier that, you thought, oh, they're nailed on. And then yeah. Katrina Matthew put them one game last time and they mm-hmm. halved and then separated them up. They've, uh, I think, in terms of foursomes, they've got to play. And and Charlie Hall's a funny one for me because she has a different partner, like every solime. It just doesn't <laughs> matter to her, does right. it? Like, right. She's the kid that's like, I'll just play with anybody. But the Emily Pedersen one kind of works out nicely there. That That's where I'd be leaning to. I, th- I think we have... 10 very good foursomes players there. Um, though I'm saying Caroline Hedwell's a bit hit and miss, I might even put her in, but th- th- I th- I think our lot can all play foursomes, but I think we got to go big. we got to pick arguably our best eight players for the foursomes and just go at it hard early on. Who would you... I, I was thinking Carlotta okay. and... Just, I don't know who Carlotta played. Well, for. I was thinking Leona Maguire. Just okay. because I'm thinking personality-wise, they they both seem very intense. They they they, I don't know. They both of them strike me as. And Carlotta, of course, is going to be feeling extra emotions playing here in Spain. But they they strike me as a kind of a like-minded tandem. I don't know who Carlotta will be paired with. That's the way I feel. I think there'll be loads of Irish down here to support Leona. So if it's Leona and Carlotta together, that's going to carry a big crowd. Carlotta is another one that has never really had a, a fixed kind of foursomes partner. I, I, I guess the better question too is if, if you do line them up one through eight and we're saying headwalls going in foursomes, who, who are the four you would leave out because to me it would probably be Madeline Sackstrom, Emily Peterson, probably Gemma Dryborough just because she's a rookie and I'm, you know, tough to put her out in the morning and all shot. But then after that, that's where it gets a little tricky for me. I think so. But that isn't that a player great, to I just think, isn't that a great position to be in where you're, you're right. thinking, oh, who am I going to, to, to not play? It's also going to be interesting how this week folds out with a, a playing vice captain as well. You know, it'll see 
obviously I think Anna is is a hundred percent here as a player, but like I wonder what her additional duties for this week also are going to be. And is that going to change as she will play more morning sessions versus afternoon sessions because she needs help? You know, Suzanne help needs help preparing for the other day. Yeah, I can't see Anna playing four ball. And I would see her going out pretty early in singles. When you talk about uh, my question here and, and you coming from the L.E.T. perspective is that like Suzanne has an awesome team. She put her neck out there with these captain's picks that she has. We all know Laura Davies, the dame, her, her history, her, the lineage, everything she, she, she has going with European golf as a whole, male or female. Anna playing vice captain, understand that and everything. Who is Caroline Martins? Mar- Martins? Mart- Martins. Caroline Martins, Martins yeah. I, I literally, outside of me doing the little bit of research, why, how is she a vice captain? So Caroline is Norwegian. She's okay. a good friend of Suzanne Pettersson and used to play on the Ladies European Tour. And when it, look, I've known her, she used to play on tour with me. And when it first came out, I was like scratching my head a little bit. But now the more I look at it is Suzanne, and she says this all the time that she's not scary anymore. She's scary, <laughs> right? And we were, we're all, we were all scared of Suzanne and that's what made her so good. Because yeah. it's like, you know, I'm going to kill you out there. Yeah, major intimidation factor. 100%, yeah. right? And that's what everybody on that team thinks of Suzanne like that. She's, I mean, she's so cruisy now. Like I, she's great. Love her to bits now, but I think she needed, sorry for me saying this, Caroline, a fluffy, a little fluffy character. (laughs) You say good cop, bad cop. Yeah. And and Caroline is that she's so nice. So smiley. She's the first one in for the hug. It's not, not an awkward hug. And she, she is that one that, and, and imagine like, I reckon I could tell Caroline, Hey, can you get me a banana? I'm not saying that to Laura. I'm not saying it to Anna. And I definitely ain't saying it to Suzanne. <laughs> so she's going to be the like, That's of course such... I can. Okay. What Everybody else do you want? A team, would, a team mom? Would you like me to peel the yeah. banana for you? Yeah, team mom. She is a mom. And I'll say that we're, we're kind of joking here, but that's a very important role to yes. play. I, I, I really believe that. That, that's an important person to have around the team. Exactly. They're friends off the course, her and Suzanne. So when they've been going out, they went to America for maybe four weeks to go and do some research on the players. You don't want to be out there by yourself. And they mm. were as a pair. And You don't think the Dame's a good travel partner? Well, she wasn't going. Well, of course, but you know, you, uh, I, when I think of oh, uh, her, a very, uh, yeah, very I mean, a intimidated. Very... You, know, you never know what uh, what's going to happen around her. What with Laura? Yeah. No. Well, that's for, coming from somebody who, who's only met her once, doesn't look really like, obviously from her playing career, but she doesn't seem like this teddy bear that, that you'd have a big, good travel companion with. I don't, I don't understand the quick, like, but Laura didn't go out to all the LPGA events. I know that, but I'm saying if the Suzanne invitation was, was offered from Suzanne to Laura, do you think she would make a good, I'm, tr- I'm trying to figure out what all these vice captains role within the team room is actually going to be. Laura is, as much as Laura Davis is, you know, the star of the European golf, women's golf, she is a team player, a huge team player, and will just be in there, done that, 
you know, she gets on great with Charlie. You'd never put them two as friends, <laughs> would you? But they get on great together. Suzanne needs somebody that she knows well from the team environment that has been to every single Solheim Cup Laura Davis has been a part of. You'd be ridiculous to not have her part of it. Which which is, it's so impressive. Just every single, every single Solheim one. Cup. Yeah. That's so impressive. Yeah, she, there's no way you don't ask her. And if she says no to be advice, you know, that's fine. But right. that, that that was quite a significant role when Katrina Matthew wanted to pick Suzanne. Laura was there to to back her and, and say, yeah, you know, I've, I've played against Suzanne at the peak of her powers. She is a player that could turn it on when needed. And that is a reason why she was obviously in the Glen Eagles team as well, because Laura backed her and I think... Suzanne wants people that she knows in her corner that she trusts, and they're the four. We're talking they're about three. Suzanne's attitude and disposition. What a what a delicious matchup against Stacy Lewis. I'd put them out. Right? It's go thirteen. If there's a tie, if it ends up 14 14, <laughs> yeah. I think they play an 18 hole playoff. But that's what both captains demand from their players their excellence, their will to win which is why all 12 will go to the very end. I know you say like, of course they will, but the, the captain will, that team will be lived through what their captain is. And both Stacey and Suzanne are the, the two ultimate competitors. Do you think we get any controversy this week? Do you think there's going to be any? Oh, yeah. Oh, God, I hope so. Yeah, it's always Suzanne, isn't it? She's always <laughs> in and around it. <laughs> um. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Like, I don't know what it will be, but I, 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 God, I hope there's something. I just hope it doesn't have anything else to do with airlines. All right. I, I would love yeah. us to every, everybody to have everything they need and to get to uh, Friday morning, everybody prepared, able to play their course with their own gear and, and kick it off. But, you know, I think, uh, I think, I think this combination of Lynn Grant and Maya are going to rub some people the wrong way. I think they're going to go out there Good. and they're going to, they're going to rip people's throats out and they're going to be loud and boisterous. And it is going to just get underneath the American team's nerves. And that's coming from a, a very proud team USA supporter. But I think that's, what's going to happen here. I love it. I hope I, I listen, we can be friends starting Monday. I, I hope we get some genuine, I won't say hatred, but I want to, I want to see that competitiveness. I, I think that's, that's what makes these at, at the end of the day, this is an exhibition golf match. Right. But, but when there's that right, intensity <laughs> and when you can sense that, like, Hey, they want to kick their ass and they want to kick their ass. It's like, yeah, let's, let's do this. Let's watch some golf. I hope. Lynn and Maya are maybe rubbing people the wrong way. I listen, I, I think Lilia strikes me as somebody that is going to be super into this yep. and looking to take scalps. Like that's, that's what I'm, I would like to see I'm a Lilia Charlie singles, you know, after what happened at Walton yeah, Heath, yeah. I would yeah. love to see that. Yeah. God, that would be sick. Should we do some predictions? That would be a dream singles match right there. Let's start with the the big question. Who do you guys have winning? Yeah. I was so positive towards Europe until like a couple of weeks ago when 
Megan Kang started winning, and you know, yeah. you got the American side started to, to so show some signs. But we're on Europe are on home soil. I keep saying we are. There's no way I could ever <laughs> not pick Europe, but I do think it's not going to be a walkover by any stretch of the imagination. I think it's going to be a tight. I, I I I think we're in for a very tight Solheim Cup. I yes. mean, at most like fifteen to thirteen, whichever way. I think it's going to be those kind of deciding two points there. Um, I was, I have been all ready to pick Europe. I, you know, the, the Maya Stark, Lynn Grant thinking of, you know, putting them out and, and writing the two rookies. That is exciting. There's just something nagging about me. That's telling me team USA is going to pull an upset. And, and I think between Losing the last two and, and truly having a, an underdog mentality this time around, I, I think I've always thought it's more enjoyable to 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 feel like an underdog, to play as an underdog, and I think too, you know, the the Lilias, the Allisons, the Rose, the the new infusion of world class talent into Team USA, I I think that's ultimately gonna be the difference maker. I I have USA I'll I'll say fourteen and a half to thirteen and a half. Well that's tight. Uh that's the number that I was gonna go with though. 14 and a half, 13 and a half. Team USA, I think I I'm happy that this is such a a a destination and it's the first Solheim Cup held in Spain. And we know that there's going to be a lot of European fans that are down here. And, and I hope it gets loud and, and boisterous and everything else like that. But for it being overseas on European soil, golf course-wise, this, this is an American golf course with an American grass that the majority of the team that we have on, on Team USA is used to either growing up playing Bermuda grass or went to college and, and had tons of reps and now playing, you know, or they've on, relocated to Florida. Exactly. Or they're in Florida <laughs> now where that's, that's all they're playing. Um, and not saying that the, obviously uh, the majority of the, uh, the European team plays full time on the LPGA tour, but you see that based off results. And there's just something that is when you're used to practicing and playing on it as much as, the Americans are, I think that that's going to be a huge advantage here, not just for the little chips and pitches, but specifically the grain on these greens. And when you start getting a little nervy here, it's no longer about just making firm strokes. If you're missing those spots based off the grain, it's just going to whip it right away. Yeah. Do you have a, a pick for a top point score for the week? This is going to go totally against, because obviously I want Europe to win. The fact that Nelly Corder won um, down the road at a place called La Reserva at Sota Grande, which is a golf course, which is very similar. She would have walked onto Finca Cortezane, looked at her caddy Jason and gone, finally, you know, this is a golf course that I can really get my teeth into. I think Nelly will play a lot and I think she'll be the top point scorer. Cody? How a lot, as in you think she'll get... Five looks, four looks, four looks, four looks. I think a lot. Do you is think anybody goes five? Because honestly, if it's not like Nelly or Lilia Vu, I, I don't think anybody will go all five on on the U.S. side. Or well, I don't think anybody on Europe's going to go all five. 
no, I th- I th- I I got a feeling. I I have this thing about like when we go, they shouldn't play all five. I'm like, if they're your best player, like play yeah, them all five. Yeah, they can have next too. week off. Oh, right. right. <laughs> you know, would I would I rather have a slightly tired Nelly Corder or play against Andrea Lee? Like I'd rather play against Andrea Lee than a tired Nelly Corder if I'm if I'm out there. Yeah, I'd say a top point scores will be from the European side. And I'd say that that's going to be Lindgren. Mm. Um, probably four looks. I, it would not be surprised me at all if she goes four for four. Wow. Uh, just uh, something different. I like where your head was with, that was at Sophia with uh, Nelly, but I'll, I'll, I'll take Lilia. I think Lilia is rested. Uh, she has not played and she was not in Cincinnati two weeks ago. Uh, so she's going to come in very rested I would look to her to play all five, and and that's kind of my guiding light for top point scorer. How about a top rookie? And and this could be either side. Uh, Cody, I think you've, you've yeah. We'll we'll oh, say Lynn Grant. It's tough to have a yeah. different choice. Of- I I find it really hard to say Lynn Grant's a rookie. I honestly yeah, yeah. do because of of how much I think of her as a player. So I'm I'm going to go Lynn Grant. And I guess I'm having to say Lilia Vu because she's nuts. I know. I'm just thinking like, oh yeah, of course she's going to be top rookie if I think she's top point scorer. And I will say this: I think uh, as we wrap up this podcast, the Solheim Cup preview, it's it's absolutely phenomenal that uh, Rose is on this team with a victory. Um, and it's just like when we think back to how long she's been a professional golfer for. She's been a professional golfer for the exact same amount of days that Ludwig has. And they both are getting ready to tee up in their first team competitions with victories under their belt after being professional golfers for a little over like 112 days. It's truly phenomenal stuff. And I think, uh, obviously, I did not pick Rose as my top points getter, but man, she's she's so good in team events. It's this This is truly like... To the world, and I don't. I, hopefully, everybody has had the opportunity to, to see and watch Rose play. But this is going to be a different side of her, where like this steady, no emotion, like absolute killer comes out, and you're gonna. It's it's gonna be impressive, really cool to watch. When I said that I was very confident on Europe, and then I switched, it was when Rose turned pro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean that that makes total sense. I, my only worry with Rose is uh, it's just, it's been a whirlwind for 112 days, right? And, and I just wonder if at some point she's just going to be tired. And it's the beauty of being young, I guess, 20, 20 years old. You, you don't quite get as tired, but I, I'm. You I'm don't just, get tired she's at also playing. I'm sorry, like, like the energy okay. carries you through. I don't think okay. you get yeah. tired at Solime. The other thing, too, is that, like, this is, I think this is a perfect event for Rose, who we know, like, I don't know. And this doesn't need to turn into a completely like Rose segment, but I think you would probably say that you would expect her to have better results in the events that she's played up to this point. Outside of the win, obviously, great yeah. start. You know, top tens at her first three events, but probably the the. It seemed the like she was tired when we saw her in London. Yeah, seemed like she was. She just was hitting shots. You're like, oh god, that's not the rose I know at all. And it's been a little. You're exactly right, Cody. Since that point, it's been like eh, the results are fine. She's made some cuts, but uh, nothing like great. 
by right. any stretch. I think this is a perfect event where find somebody who who pairs up well with her. It's not just Rose out there being Rose and having all this. Oh, I gotta, I gotta, you know, play and contend. I understand that team events bring different pressures into it, but I also think like, man, do you know what made Rose really, really good in college? Her teammates. Yeah, and I think this is just something that like it's going to be very natural for her. And a spark, it's going to light, and like she's going to be off to the races. And as you said, she raises the level of everybody else. It's, yep. it's yeah. Well, uh, it's going to be a long week. We're recording this on Tuesday. Uh, I think just like the golfers, we got to pace ourselves a little bit. You know, usually we're used to this getting kicked off Thursday morning, but we got to wait that extra day. Pairings will come Thursday evening. Cody mentioned, I think we're going to do a little, uh, we'll get the the Carter brothers in here and do some live reaction to the actual pairings come Thursday evening. And then, yeah, it's going to be three great days of golf. Sophia, you're going to be on the... Uh, it's Sophie Randy. It's Sophie. He said Do you know Sophia what? I would quite like Sophia. Because that's like, is that a little oh, bit Spanish? And then I friend? got my own head and like, am I saying it wrong? I assume because I mispronounced everybody's name. Okay, we're just going to go yeah. Sophie. Honestly, I, I confused myself in there. That's why I've been calling okay. you Sophie the last couple of times. <laughs> And I was like, I was if, like we just call her, if we just call her everything enough, we'll, we'll just have it covered every okay. which way. Uh, but yeah, good luck on the television this week. You're, you're going to have a busy week, maybe the busiest walking the golf course. Um, but thank you so much for joining us. And um, we'll, we'll maybe we can steal a little, of your, a little of your time for one of these live shows. Yeah, let's see how much we got right and all that we got wrong. <laughs> Welcome to the show. I mean, there's always a lot wrong. Randy, before we get people out of here, a quick programming note, too, out of everything else that you shared. This here, No Laying Up podcast, is going to be our Tuesday podcast for this week. But I would invite and encourage everyone to please go check out our YouTube page Wednesday evening, a 9 p.m. Eastern premiere of a great story from executive producer DJ Piowski and Tron Carter. Great production work by Matt Golden, focusing on a story by a close friend of ours, Jim Hartzell. Jim and Tron went over to Western Scotland earlier this year. We were able to document the entire thing. Comes out to be about a 50, 55 minute, pretty much film that we put together titled When Revelation Comes, uh, matching the title of his book. If you haven't picked out or, or seen his book, anywhere by back nine press please go look at or look look for it um but it's a, a very emotional story um told by jim and for people who not do not know uh one of jim's sons jordan passed away a couple years back and he really was able to find fellowship and a sense of community and everything through golf and and specifically um you know, through a lot of the friends and colleagues that he's met in Western Scotland going back 20 years now from his trips there. But very, very excited for that. Please, everybody, go watch uh, the video and we'll be back here on Thursday. Yeah, well said. Amen. Uh, there'll, there'll also be a podcast episode with Jim as a, as a tack along, if you will, to the film. So thank you for mentioning that. Soph. Thank you so much for your time. Codeman, thank you for your time. And cheers, everybody, for listening. Cheers. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. Yeah. Johnny, that's...
Better than most. How about in? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect a 